Crossover Q is a podcast that openly discusses the Q cultural phenomenon and all its associated conspiracies, ranging from armed political conflict, child abuse, sexual abuse, racism, sexism, and apocalyptic fetishization. Listener discretion is advised. to start with a question today. And it's a question specifically for those who might still be involved in QAnon. If there are any QAnon folks listening out there, folks that are are still in it, doing the research, making the posts, it's a simple question. It comes from my own Methodist faith tradition, actually. It's a a question that uh, comes from the very beginning of our faith, a question we use when we want to begin a spiritual conversation, a question we use to invite vulnerability and transparency and self-reflection. The question is, how goes it with your soul. That's what I want to ask you today, if you're still involved with Q. How goes it with your soul? Since you've started following QAnon, since you've been reading about this stuff and posting about it and talking about it online or even in person with friends who are on the same page as you, How has it made you feel? How has it affected your inner life? How has it affected your relationships? Now, I know on one hand, you've probably made a lot of friends, new friends online, right? Um, And I know that that now you feel like you're, you're part of a movement. And that's got to feel good, you know, to belong to something like that, to be involved in this work and in doing all this important research. But what I want to know is, how has it affected you? Has it made you happy? Has it brought you peace? Has it brought any healing into your life whatsoever? Has it made you at all more compassionate? Or perhaps has it made you more angry, more scared, and paranoid? Tell me, since you found the Q community, do you laugh more or less? What about your friends and your family? And I'm not talking about the friends online right now. I'm not talking about the Facebook friends here or your followers on Twitter. I'm talking about the actual flesh and blood folks that populate your lived life every day. The people that need you, that crave your time and your attention and your care. His cue brought you closer to these people. Has it helped ignite your passion for them? Has it been a source of of unity and connection? Or, and I'm just asking now, has it put up a wall? 
And if not a wall, then maybe a fence. Perhaps even a chain link fence. So that you can still see them. You may still even be able to reach out and touch them from time to time, but nevertheless, you still know that there's something between you and them. Something that prevents a full embrace. Something that gets in the way. In the Christian world, I've been hearing a lot about prophecy lately. I know there are those who think of Q as being a kind of prophet. And I know that there are some preachers around the country that have made prophecies about the future of the nation and how the election would turn out and in all that stuff. But there's this verse in Matthew chapter 7. There's this passage that talks specifically about prophets, how to judge them, how to tell a good prophet from a false prophet. And beyond that, I, I actually think this verse is helpful for judging anything in our lives. That we can use it to, to, to consider anything that takes our time and our energy. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Thus you will know them by their fruits. And so I ask, what kind of fruit is the QAnon tree bearing in your life? What's the produce that it's been putting in your basket? What's the harvest like that you've been able to reap since you started looking into the rumors and the codes and the Q drops? If you can honestly say that Q has made your life better, then you might as well just turn me off right now. <laughs> if you're a happier person, a calmer person, uh, a more peaceful and, and patient and humble person, then, then maybe I just need to admit that you've found a good tree. But the converse is also true. If over the last weeks, months, or even years, since Q came into your life, if your family has gotten farther apart, if you found yourself erupting into arguments and altercations with those around you, if your kids are getting frustrated, if, if you feel alienated from, from the folks who were most important to you, then maybe it's time to put you away. If you are less patient, less humble, if you have less peace, if you look at your neighbors, and, and, and I mean your real neighbors now, not just the folks who live down the street, I'm talking about your neighbors, the folks who, who are around you but, but look different than you and think different and talk different and act different. 
if you have more suspicion for those neighbors, if you have more contempt for them, if you have less patience toward them and less love for them, less love for your neighbor than you did before any of these theories or ideas came into your life, then maybe, just maybe, you've gotten yourself a rotten tree. Matthew 7.19 says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Maybe, dear listener, just maybe, it's time we make some firewood out of QAnon. Maybe it's time for us to get to work. Episode 2 Psst, it's about the Jews. When I was a teenager, I used to love this radio show called Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Did y'all ever listen to Coast to Coast? It was on like super late at night and it featured all these interesting stories about how there might just be aliens inside Area 51 and why we never really landed on the moon and folks would call in to argue about how the JFK assassination was this massive cover-up and as, as a kid, I just ate that stuff up. I had a big imagination and I loved science fiction and I'd listen to it on my clock radio as I went to sleep and the next day I'd go to school and at lunchtime I'd tell all my buddies about how there's this evidence that George Bush is secretly an android and how pretty soon the new world order would finally be exposed. And that was a topic that came up a lot, actually. The New World Order. Now, for you wrestling fans, I'm not talking about Hulk Hogan and Scott Hall and those guys. Now, to the fledgling conspiracy theorists around our lunch table and the late night callers to Coast to Coast, the New World Order was a sinister regime that was secretly ruling the world. Just behind the scenes of the government we saw on our televisions and read about in our newspapers. It didn't matter who won the election or what party happened to be in power. No, the New World Order were the ones who were really in charge. Pulling strings from behind the shadows ordering world events, staging false flag operations and assassinations, moving countries and companies and the media like pieces on a chessboard, all so that they could stay in power, all so that they could stay in control, all so that they could continue to get rich off the suffering and the war and the poverty of millions of people around the world. 
And on Coast to Coast, the New World Order had many names. Some folks called it the Illuminati. Others said it was something called the Bilderberg Group. And yet others said it was just a single, extraordinarily wealthy family named the Rothschilds. But the message was always clear. Bad things happen because there's a secret cabal of nefarious profiteers secretly calling the shots from the shadows. And then when I was in college, I was talking to this friend of mine and I was telling him about all this stuff, all these theories, the secret rulers of the world and conspiracies and all that. And he was super dismissive. He just rolled his eyes and said, hey, come on, you don't really believe in that stuff, do you? And I said, well, I, I guess not, you know, but uh, maybe it seems plausible. I mean, if you, if you begin to connect the dots, you can actually start to see it. And then I'll never forget it. He got real serious and he pulled me in close and he said, you know what that stuff's really about, don't you? And I said, no. He said, it's about the Jews. Those are all just anti-Semitic tropes. The Bilderbergs, the Illuminati, all of it is just anti-Jewish propaganda. Now, you got to understand, at this point, the internet was still pretty young and like Google was just getting on its feet. So I went home and, and I got on my, my dial up web connection and sure enough, all it took was just a little bit of research. And I found that every one of those theories, every one of those conspiracies even though they were complex and had a lot of detail and referenced things that happened in the news, every one of them led back to the same gross, racist idea that Jews secretly ran the world. And let me tell you, my friend, QAnon is no different. As soon as I heard what QAnon really was, as soon as I heard about the big lie at the heart of the theory, the idea that there was a secret cabal of Democrats who were secretly abusing and eating children, that they were drinking their blood and harvesting their adrenaline, whatever, all that stuff. As soon as I heard that, I knew exactly what they were talking about. You see, the idea of <clears throat> secret... Satan worshippers eating children in ritualized sacrifices is an old, ancient conspiracy. During the time of Nero, the emperor 
Nero. It's what the Romans had said about the Christians. Because we, quote, drank the blood of the Son of God. So to discredit the church, to make it easier to persecute the church, to enlist the, the help of the masses in the public in the endeavor of destroying the church, the Romans spread the lie that we Christians ritually consumed the flesh and blood of child sacrifices. But it didn't end there. Throughout all of time, the idea, the accusation, the rumor that there is somewhere a group of people who seem to be respectable on the outside, who seem to be religious even, yet secretly feast on children at night. That rumor has been used by kings and rulers and politicians for centuries. And they use it to, to make people angry, to, to drum up the masses, to make them afraid, and, 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 and to give them the emotional capital that they need in order to summon the courage to do the kind of violence that would be necessary to get rid of a particular group of people. Why is it always the ritual eating of children? Well, maybe because that's just the worst thing we can possibly imagine. Maybe it's because if it were true, it would be one of the most evil and heinous crimes that any of us could even dream of. Uh, maybe because it takes something like that to stir up the people enough until they're capable of lynching those who were said to be involved. But it didn't only happen to Christians in the Roman Empire. No, more often, tragically, throughout the centuries, that lie has been directed at one people in particular, the Jews. The first recorded accusation of this kind of ritualized murder that was made against the Jews was in the 12th century over the death of a boy named William of Norwich. But that same accusation has continued to be levied against Jewish people of almost every country in every century since then. This, despite the fact that Jewish law forbids murder, forbids the drinking of blood, certainly forbids the eating of human flesh, nevertheless, the accusations just keep on coming. And to its credit, to its very limited credit, <laughs> at times the European Catholic Church did try to stop this conspiracy. Pope Gregory IX called it a, quote, silly pretext for imprisoning Jews in the year 1272. 
And he demanded that all the Jews who were arrested for the crime should be freed because it was just absolutely ridiculous, right? And Pope, Pope Clement VI argued against it in the year 1348. You know, it's a conspiracy theory that, that folks have been fighting for a long, long time. But this idea that there are groups of Jews who are guilty of this thing, this, this awful deed, this blood libel, as it has come to be known, has carried on through the millennia. And now, of course, we see it again. This time, the Jews may not be mentioned explicitly by those who follow QAnon. And I'd even be willing to bet that the average person who follows Q doesn't even know anything about any of this stuff. They just don't want anything bad to happen to kids. Nevertheless, the same Jewish blood libel conspiracy continues through Q. Directed not just at Jewish people, but at Democrats as well. By the way, why do you think Q is always talking about George Soros and Anthony Weiner? What religion do you happen to think those men are? I'll give you a hint. They're not Episcopalians. No, it's the same old story and the same old lie. The same depraved nonsense that has been specifically engineered and fine-tuned throughout the centuries to inflame the, pa the, the passions of regular folks against some group of people right if you want to get the the population on board with with being angry and perhaps even committing an act of violence against a group of evil people you tell them that that group eats children and that they're bent on world destruction but the QAnon followers say well it's it's on the stolen laptop it, it, it's in the deleted emails. We, we have the evidence. It's, it's part of the code. It's really happening. To that I say, you know what? When Nero said it about the Christians, it was all an elaborate lie. When they said it about the Jews, it was all an elaborate lie. No. No, I stand with Gregory the Ninth. I stand with Clement the Sixth. I say it's hogwash. It's hateful racism. I say at best it's bearing false witness, and at worst it's heresy.
1903, a fabricated document called The Protocols of the Elders of Zion was published in Russia. From there, it was translated and it was spread across the whole world. The protocols were a forgery that claimed to document the secret rules, regulations, and ideologies of the mysterious Jewish rulers who secretly ran the world news media and the financial system and who ultimately wanted to turn the world into a single Jewish-controlled communist dictatorship. Half a million copies of that fake document were published by none other than Henry Ford in the English language. And of course, it was most famously translated into German and distributed to gain public support for the Nazi party after World War I. So let's review that conspiracy just one more time. The protocol said that, number one, they secretly ran the news media. And number two, they ran the banks. And number three, they were trying to turn us all into communists. Let me ask... Does that sound familiar to you? Doesn't that sound, oh, I don't know, exactly how the Q patriots talk about the secret cabal of Democrats that they're trying to bring down? Even that word, cabal. We use it as a, as a reference to any kind of secret group of people, uh, any kind of shadowy sort of characters. But, but the word itself comes from Kabbalah, which is a sect of Jewish mysticism, right? Even using the word connotes the idea that these are Jews, that are secretly running the world. I mean, at this point, it's just slapping us in the face, is it not? It, it, it's not just that, that QAnon sounds like anti-Semitism or that it bears some passing resemblance to it. No, QAnon is anti-Semitism. QAnon is the, the, the application of anti-Semitic tropes in conspiracy theories to the American political landscape. It's the exact same story told again and again over the ages, and this is simply the 21st century version. What it really is in its truest form is just a piece of clever propaganda. It's meant to inflame your passions and heighten your fears. It's about stoking your paranoia and, and, and turning you against your neighbors. That, that's what QAnon is. QAnon is about manufacturing hate. Not because uh, your enemy has 
political differences with you, not because you support different candidates, but hatred because you think they support the worst evil imaginable. I remember the first time I ever figured out that a particular family member of mine was deep into QAnon. Now, she had already been a conservative, and, and I knew she was a Trump supporter, and, and all that's fine. You know, I, I have no problem with that. Um, uh, there are lots of conservatives in my church. Um, that's just the world that we live in. But then I went to her Facebook page, and she had shared this picture. She had posted this, this meme, right? And it had Trump's face on it. And on the side, it said something like, it's not because they're fake news. It's not because they own the banks. It's not because they're communists. It's because the bastards eat children. And when I saw that, my heart just dropped down into my stomach. Not because I recognize those slogans as being a part of Q, but because I recognize them as being anti-Semitic. Now, don't get me wrong here, okay? I am not saying that all the folks who follow QAnon are anti-Semites, or that they're all Nazis or racists or any of that. Um that's not what this is about because if you don't know this history then you don't know this history right and i don't think most people get into q because they're anti-semitic or they're racist that's what the propaganda is there for that's why it's propaganda that's why it exists that's its function to turn regular normal good patriotic religious people into angry, obsessed, paranoid, vengeful political operatives. The propaganda is there to make you think there's a war going on and to encourage you to sign up. It's about describing a crime that is so terrible and using such graphic detail that it allows them to manipulate your emotions, gobble up your time, and use your voice to amplify their message. You know what's funny? Like, odd funny, I mean. In all this anti-Semitic propaganda, there's always these ridiculous contradictions that stick out, right? These paradoxes that actually make no sense upon closer scrutiny, yet it never occurs to anyone who actually believes them. For instance... These folks say that, that the bad people, whether they be Jews or Democrats, whoever they are, 
They say that they are stupid, yet they're also supremely devious. Well, which is it? Are they dumb? Or are they evil geniuses? You can't be both, right? Or I love this one. How they're both greedy capitalists who run the banks, but then somehow also hell-bent on turning the world communist. <laughs> Those things don't go together at all. Or, or how about saying they're weak, but uh-oh, you better watch out because they're also strong enough to take over the world. I mean, come on. But the paradox that, that's at the heart of it all to me Okay, the, the paradox that's right at the core of all of this is that they are supposed to be this secret group, right? Pulling strings from behind the curtain. Yet, Q is the anonymous one. Q is the one who lurks in the shadows and won't give his name. The anonymous Twitter handles and the the meme lords of the web who promote the the Q movement, they're really the ones who are living in the darkness. So you tell me, who's the one that's being manipulated after all? In many ways, I think that anti-Semitism is actually Christianity's original sin, so to speak. You know, ever since the early second century, there have always been Christians who blame the Jewish people for the death of Christ, who think that there's something cursed about them, who think that the religion itself is evil somehow. But friends, let me tell you, uh, from a preacher, from someone who's studied the Bible, from someone who's devoted his life to this, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. The Jews didn't crucify Jesus. We did. We all did. We all hung him on that cross. Now, the way I read my Bible... God is still hopelessly in love with the children of Abraham. Jesus said that God's covenant with them would never pass away, and it won't. They are and will always be God's first people, the apple of God's eye. And so if we're going to call ourselves Christians... If we're going to call ourselves followers of the Jewish Messiah, then we need to look out for our Jewish brothers and sisters. We need to speak out against hate. And wherever we've sinned against them, as hard as it might be, we need to confess and repent and make room for love in our hearts. Thank you.
You know what word I think has gotten a bad rap lately? What word has, has been given kind of a bad reputation? A word that I, I just don't think people really get anymore? It's the word disillusion. You know, I've been hearing that since the inauguration, a lot of QAnon folks have become disillusioned with Q. They've become disillusioned from the movement. And what's crazy to me is that people say that like it's a bad thing. In the Christian tradition, disillusionment is a great thing. It might be hard in the moment when it happens, but at the end of the day, it means you've gotten rid of your illusions, right? It means you've shaken the scales from your eyes and that you're just now starting to see the world as it really is. And, and brothers and sisters, that's awesome. That's a cause for celebration. But I know it's also hard. Let's be honest. A lot of folks have wasted a lot of time on cue. Hours upon hours of searching and posting and tweeting and chatting for weeks and months and some even years. Do you know how hard it is to walk away from that? Do you know how hard it is to admit that you just spent all this time and energy and hope in prayers on something that was little more than an old anti-Semitic hoax. That's such a hard thing to do. And it's such a courageous thing to do. So if that's you, if you're one of the ones who are trying to get out right now, if you have been working toward your own Q sobriety, then I applaud you. I really do. I am proud of you. Or maybe if you know someone who's still in it, and, and maybe they're just starting to get somewhat disillusioned, maybe they've waffled a bit since January 20th, but they still haven't let go of that Q rope, you know? I want to encourage you to have patience with them. I want to encourage you to stay close to them if that's a safe thing for you to do. I want to encourage you to encourage them, literally, because they're going to need your courage. They're going to need your support to start saying no to Q and to start saying yes to reality. And now, go ahead and close your eyes, take a deep breath, and receive this parting benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with you and be with you, now and always. Amen. Thank you.